How many of you uh, had to order something online because you could not find it in a store anywhere? Just lift your hand. You just had to finally search the internet and you, maybe you found it. And now you have it, right? Did it get here? Did yours get here? It did? So that made you feel a little bit like, you know, you're a little bit at ease right now because you know you have it. So whenever you open your packages now or whenever, you've already got that thing here and it's already in the bag or maybe it's wrapped up or however you're going to do it and you're excited about it. When our granddaughter comes to town, Lily, and we have to go on a grocery run, we go to Giant over in Walnutport. Lily's four now, and she is enamored with, with things that are computer and, and especially with that robot over there at Giant. Anybody know the name of that robot at Giant? If you do, you know your name? Say it out loud. Marty. Marty. Yes, let's everybody say Marty. So, yeah, come on, you bunch of people. Let's everybody say Marty. All right. I wanted to find Marty in this form because I wanted to get it from a granddaughter. And guess what? We searched and searched, and I had different people looking around to find Marty the stuffed robot. And sure enough, we found two of them. So Lily will get one, and uh, Josiah, our two-year-old grandson, they will get them. And there, I wrapped that one. And so (laughs) I do a fancy job of wrapping And uh, it's all ready to go. I hope you have been able to find all the things that you're looking for. But the greatest gift is the gift that we're here to celebrate tonight. It is God's gift to us. That gift is Jesus Christ. Angels would announce it. Shepherds would wonder about it and be excited. And they would go and they would see. Now, God did something great when he asked the shepherds to go and find out what was happening with the baby in the manger. Because shepherds were considered the lowest rung socially. And for them to be able to go, it still makes a message communicated clearly to us today. We are welcome. And then the wise men, they didn't come right there to the nativity, but sometime within the first couple of years, they showed up. They are wise people who helped crown people that would be kings. They are incredible people, perhaps coming from Arabia, maybe on Arabian horses. We always say three. There may have been a whole bunch of them. I don't know how many there were. I just know they were wise. And they were bringing gifts, gold, incense, and myrrh. They were significant gifts, and they would help fund the trip for Jesus and Mary Joseph as they had to flee and become immigrants over in Egypt soon after Jesus' birth. It was an amazing thing that the angels would come and communicate this, this news to the other people in the Christmas story, to let them know that this was God's gift, God's great gift. God didn't send second-rate communication, did he? He went first-rate, Gabriel wants you to go. He was sending out the beautiful angels to be able to communicate the truth that he had to tell everybody. Rebecca McLaughlin, in her writing, Is Christmas Believable? A title like that doesn't threaten us, does it? We know the truth. She said this, What difference does it make whether the Bible's claims about Jesus are true or not? And I'll suggest that if the story of Jesus isn't true, if he's just a story in the minds of people's heads, we don't just lose the magic of Christmas... She goes on to write, we lose everything. We would lose everything. We would lose life and meaning. We would lose good and evil. And we would even lose you and me. The Apostle Paul writing about this great gift that God would give, he said it this way, as Pastor Peter read it a moment ago, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Let's ask some questions tonight about this gift. You're going to receive gifts. You'll probably open them. You might not. You might just put one on a shelf somewhere. One might get stuck under the couch or somewhere on a closet shelf. But 
you'll probably open them up, you know. You'll open them up and see what they are, and probably you'll bust it out, and maybe you'll be happy to get it, or maybe you don't care. If you're like me, you don't really need anything. But, you know, it's a thought to count, and it's always kind. So you get whatever you get, and you're grateful, and you say thank you to whoever gave it to you, right? But this gift has a little more significance than that. As a matter of fact, it has immeasurably more interest than that. We want to ask that first question, what is the purpose of God's gift? Now, I like to put together puzzles at Christmas time. Do you like to put together puzzles? Once in a while in the winter with the evenings longer, I like to put together puzzles. And what I like to do is, as I did with the one that I put out yesterday, I like to put all of the edge pieces together. Then I have these little blue trays I can stack the colors in to then go about, you know, finding out what's going on. The one I'm doing now is uh, very pious. It is a red rocking chair with a teddy bear and a little truck, and it has a Christmas tree wallpaper, and dark color on the bottom. I started that and I said, why in the world? I ought to throw this back in a box. It's hard. I don't even like it. But it's a challenge and I'll probably keep going with putting that together. So let's start with the border. That's what I always like to start with. Get the edge pieces. Let's get our frame together. Then we can figure out what happens. When you get the frame together of this question that I've asked, what is the purpose of God's gift? You see the people there on the left side, and then you see that gulf in between, and you see God on the other side. Our sin separated us from God. And in this diagram here, we recognize the wages of sin is death. But it also says on the other side, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ coming to earth as a baby in a manger. If we just leave him wrapped up in the swaddling clothes, we don't really get the benefit of the gift. But we have to unwrap and we have to let him grow up. We have to go ahead and let him be nailed to the cross. We have to let him go ahead and be put in the tomb. We have to let him come out of that tomb as he did, as the witnesses would declare. And we have to let him be alive in heaven, interceding on our behalf right now with our prayers. And when we do that, we begin to understand that he offers something to us. He offers forgiveness that we might be made right with God. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the purpose of this gift. He wants to give you real purpose in living, not self-centered agendas to see how much you can collect, how many nice things you can get, what degrees you can put behind your name. All of those things are fun. All of those things have their place. Some of those things are very important. But let me tell you, none supersede the importance of this gift and what he does in our life. We need to open him up. We need to receive him and put him at the center of our life. And we can do that. And something else beautiful about this whole thing is this. He wants to invite us into his heaven, God does. He wants you to go into heaven. You know, I was a giant today, checked in on Marty. <laughs> and while there, <coughs> excuse me, while there, picked up what I was supposed to pick up, went on out to the car, put it in the car. And then I drove the car around for my wife as she finished up getting whatever she was getting. So she would come out in just a little bit. And I watched as many, many people were at Giant Supermarket today in, in uh, Walnutport. As a matter of fact, there were people in first service that were there. There are people in this service that were there. I saw some today. And saw our electrician. He was there. He does a lot of work around the campuses for Saw different ones. All kinds of people there all over the parking lot. Going in, coming out. And you know what? It was amazing to me. The thought came through my mind. God loves every one of them. He loves every one of them. And God gave his gift, Jesus Christ, for every one of them. And he gave his life for you. And that's the significance of this. That you and I might be forgiven. Have purpose in our life. And then, when we die, and we will... We'll be able to go into heaven, the beauty of that gift. And then we ask, what is the relevance? What relevance does God's gift have today? 
I want to suggest to you he's going to help you in several areas. He's helped me. I think he'll help anyone who call on him. I would suggest to you that he will help you with your hurts, with your hurts in life. Dr. and Mrs. Nelson Bell, Billy Graham's in-laws, Ruth Bell Graham's parents, were missionaries in China. And while there, they had a young son die. They sent this message home to their family, to their parents. There are tears in our eyes, but there is joy in our hearts. Many of you right now are facing some sort of situation in your life where you have some sort of hurt. I said at the outset, it's kind of hard for you to come to a service like this. 21 did not go like you thought it would. In the first service, there were people that had had funerals for loved ones this week, this past few days, and we've had some funerals right here and among our congregation. But the good news is this, God loves every one of us, and he can help us with our hurts. Some of you have gone through a divorce, and the good news is that baby in the manger is relevant to that. If you unwrap him, he'll be able to strengthen you. He'll be able to help you. He'll be able to encourage you. I want to encourage you to unwrap the gift. Let him grow up and be the savior in your life. Let him work in your life on your behalf. Some of you have loved ones that have gone way, way the wrong way, and you're praying for them, and you're asking God to help them. And tonight, you don't know whether they're going to come to Christmas gathering or not. Your heart's confused. Your mind is racing. But I want to tell you that you can cast all anxiety on him. He cares for your hurts and whatever you're experiencing. But I don't want to stop there. He also helps us with our habits, and he can help you with your habit. Now, we have good habits, don't we? I mean, brushing your teeth and showering, good habit. Can I get a witness? In a house somewhere. Yes, somebody likes that, right? And so, you know, um, exercising a little bit, that's a good thing, right? To be able to do something like that. Uh, going to work if you work or, you know, finishing up a project, good habit to have. But all of us face life, and sometimes life offers us habits that are not good. And it offers us opportunities to do things that are not right. And all of us have found ourselves at some point entering into the, into the prospect of something that could lead us in a path we don't really want to go in. Beautiful thing is we can give our habits, we can give all of our habits to Christ, that babe in the manger who is a savior of the world, Lord over all, and he can help us break free from the addictions. In the first service, Rachel Jones, who gave me permission, she was sitting right back here. For 10 years, she was addicted to just about any drug and every drug you could imagine. It ruled her life. It dominated her existence. And she was at the end of herself. And she sent up a desperate prayer. And maybe you've prayed that prayer a hundred times yourself or a thousand times. But she prayed it one more time. And she meant it. And she said, God, I can't do this. I need your help. I have to have your help. And she's a year clean. And she's helping other people break free from the same thing. And I think it's awesome what God can do. If you've ever had a relative or a close loved one or a friend that has been addicted as I have, you understand the value of answered prayer in that realm. I want to tell you, he can help you. And he can break you free. I can't do it. You can't do it on your own. You've tried. But when you reach your little hand up, God reaches big hand down. And whatever it is, whatever destructive pattern you're in, God can help you. And then not notice this. 
if we unwrap that babe in the manger and let him grow to be the person he wants to be in our life. He can help us with our hang-ups. Christopher Carrier was a little boy, 10 years old, growing up in Florida. And as he was in Florida, 10-year-old kid, five days before Christmas, there was a man said, hey, I want you to come help me get a present for your dad. He thought the man was serious. He didn't know any better in the moment than to just go with the man. And the man had bad intentions. He took him out to a place, and there he injured him badly and left him for dead in the Everglades. Six days later, a driver happened by that area and saw something and noticed, oh my goodness, it was him, Christopher. For years, they didn't know who had done this terrible deed, didn't know what had happened, really. Christopher was able to go to the hospital, find help, and he recovered. He lost sight in his left eye as he had taken a shot there, but he regained the rest of his body and most all of his function. He was able to function normally. And he went to a youth group at a church, and they gave the plan of salvation, kind of like I am now. And in those moments, he said, I want to respond. I want, I want to receive him. He opened up the gift, the babe in the manger, and he received Christ into his life. And Christ helped him in incredible ways. He began to find healing in new ways inside. Went to all through the therapy or counseling he needed to go through. And he found restoration. And he found hope. Years later, a police officer called him up. And the police officer said, we have found the person who perpetrated this crime against you. He has admitted it. He's in a nursing home. Would you like to see him? He's nearing the end of his life. And Christopher said, yes, I would. What would you have done when you walked into that nursing home room? Old man, step on the oxygen hose, grab him around the throat, do what he may have deserved. What would you have done? Christopher, now a minister, talked to the old man who at first didn't want to talk too much about it to him, but eventually opened up and said, I did do that. He said, your dad hired me. Your dad hired me to take care of your uncle, but I was drinking on the job and your dad got mad and fired me and I wanted revenge. And that's why I took it out on you. No other reason. God can help you with your hang-ups. Christopher said, I'll be back. I'll be visiting you. David McAllister said, okay. Christopher brought his wife and his children back. They went into the room and they visited several more times. And one day, Christopher said to David, nearing the end of his life, he said, wouldn't you like to open your heart to Christ and let him forgive you and cleanse you? David said, all that stuff you did that you meant for evil, God has turned it to good. This story could have a great redemption if you had just let it. And David McAllister said, I'd like to open my heart. And in those moments, he opened his heart to Christ. He passed away a few days later, trusting in Christ, kind of like the thief on the cross. You know what the beautiful thing about what I've just talked to you about is? There are people right here. You have hang-ups. You wanted to go to church, thought God might have an answer for you, but you looked at the church and you've seen some hypocrites. And you said, well, I don't want to go if there's hypocrites there. Let me ask you a question. Where else should hypocrites be? 
You just know their problem. They don't all know yours. Quit judging everybody else. Get over yourself. Grow up. Get up. Get to God. Get to the manger. Unwrap the baby and let him grow up to be the person he wants to be in your life. Savior, Christ, and Lord. That's what he wants to do for every one of us today. I saw the other day a quote, not original with me, but I love it. The world needs a stable influence. (laughs) We go to the stable, to the manger, and there we find help with our habits, our hurts, and our hang-ups. But we need the forgiveness of sin, don't we? And I talked about it at the beginning when we set our frame in place. Let's fill out our frame. What do I do with what God's given me today? What do I do with God's gift today? During Elizabeth Elliot, who was a great missionary, great writer, great radio host for the faith of Christ, during her funeral, there was a lady who met her while the young lady was in college, and now (coughs) Elizabeth was very old. This lady was now older than college age. And they asked her to present in the remarks of eulogy, and she agreed to do it. And she said, I first met Elizabeth when I was a young girl in college. Elizabeth said two of the most beautiful words in the English language. Come in. Come in. Let's say those words together. Come in. Let's say it again out loud. Come in. Come in, she said. She meant this. Come into my life. Come into my home. Come into my story. Come into my family. Be a part of my life. And this is what Jesus is doing to every one of us today. He is inviting us to let him in. In Revelation, the book of Revelation, a lot of people have trouble understanding part of it, but I don't think you have trouble understanding this part. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20 says it this way. It says of Jesus, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will open the door, I'll come in and I'll sup with that person and that person will dine with me. You see, what he's saying is the latch is on the inside. If you open the door of your life, he'll come in. You're unwrapping the baby. And he says, I'll make something beautiful out of your life. I want to ask you, have you done that? Have you allowed him to come in? I don't know what Christmas gifts you're going to receive this year, but I do know this. You can unwrap this one. You can unwrap this one. Every one of us should unwrap this one. Because this gift is available and free for all who would receive. Just as I was watching the folks over at Giant today, it's available for you. In the passage read just a little bit ago, in Luke chapter 2 and verse 7, it said, there's no room in the inn. So I ask it this way, do you have room in your heart? Can you just open up your heart and make room? Room in your mind, room in your heart for Christ. The latch is on the inside. You can invite him to come in, and he will come in. He will not turn anybody away. Listen, if he would go to a manger, smelly, stinky, place like that, he'll come into your life, no matter how smelly or stinky or broken or sinful or wretched you may say you are. And if you're a wise man, you'll seek him. If you're a wise woman, You'll seek him while he may be found. Tonight, if you haven't ever received him before or you want to renew your commitment to him, 
this Christmas is a great time to do that. I'm not going to ask you any embarrassing questions. I'm not going to ask you to stand or raise your hand even. But I am going to invite you from where you're sitting to open up your heart. And you can do it like this. You could just put your hands there in front of you like I have mine, like that, and just say, come in. Come in. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Come into my life. I need you. Help me with my hurts, my habits, my hang-ups, my sin. Forgive me. Just go ahead and do that quietly in your heart. Dear Father, you hear our prayers. You hear the prayer of everyone. So now, as you have told us, you are the light of the world. You have commissioned each one of us now to carry your light in our own life. We ask you to come in and forgive our sin. Help us to unwrap that baby, let you grow up. Recognize you died on the cross and rose from the dead for us. And for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. We invite you to come in in Jesus' name. Amen.